Doc Rivers continues to time and time again not get it when it comes to getting... Oh! Let him play! You bet one one bone to win 19? I'm sorry. Where, what site do you use where you can actually bet one buck? <laughs> they let you do 50 cent bets. Oh my goodness, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, literally, like he dropped Superman down, like the drain comes out. Like, God damn it, Superman. <laughs> I don't know, honey. I don't know where he got that from. From Los Angeles, this is Dave in the City, part of the Dit Cow Sports Network. Now, here's Dave Medina. Sports fans, and a pleasure to have you here for the big Dick Cow Football Show. Good to have you with us. We're going to take some time out away from football for the week to chat about golf. And uh, we'll talk about a dominant performance by Scotty Scheffler in what was eventually a convincing win. There were some moments in the final round where um, things did get a little tense, specifically around the, the turn as they were going from the front nine to the back nine, but the 12th hole one did. Uh, the the fellow just behind him, Cam Smith, in what was an, an incredibly epic meltdown. Uh, but all in all, it was, it was really it was really Scotty Scheffler's weekend, and he wins the Masters. He gets the Green Jacket, the first his first, and he's having a really hot year. And um, that's pretty much it. I mean, honestly, not the most amount of juice, but there'll still be things to talk about as we get into our coverage of the 2022 Masters as we begin. Um, a new round of golf recap shows here on this podcast. I'm really excited to bring our fe- our friends back, and uh, they are fr- they are Mike in North Jersey and John in Connecticut. Let's let's introduce ourselves to each other once again for the year. Um, I'm going to go to you first, Mike. Mike, it is a pleasure to have you back. Welcome in. How's it going this evening? And uh, welcome to this new season. Well, thanks for having me on, Dave. I'm doing pretty well. Uh... Pretty busy, but well nonetheless. So, uh, hope you're doing. Uh, <clears throat> hope you're doing all right as well. And yeah, I'm excited to be here and talk some golf. Yeah, I'm with it. Yeah, and, 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 and thankfully I can say the same. So thanks for that, Mike. And uh, let's go over to John. John, hello again. Welcome in. How are things with you? Doing well, Dave. Yeah, good, great to have some golf talk. Honestly, like I could do a golf segment every week. Like the PGA Tour. Like you cannot get anything better than just the week to week excitement that the PGA Tour brings. But, um, yeah, always great to hop on after a major and talk some golf, even though it wasn't the most thrilling major, although some might say it was the greatest competitive four rounds in the history of golf. I'm sure we'll get into that. Um, As the narrative very much changed from uh, Tuesday to Sunday about a certain Mr. Woods. But, um, yeah, excited to, to talk some Masters tonight. Well, we will definitely get into that. I mean, Tiger does make the cut, so he, he completed a round, which is nothing. I mean, that's it's incredible to come back from an accident like that and still sort of, you know, not just not just walk again, but to complete a major. So I, I don't think it's it's necessarily insignificant, but obviously the media is going to overplay it. I understand. So back to you, Mike. Let's talk about the winner, Scheffler. I mean, what can you say? I mean, he's been hit, he was hitting everything. I mean, he had his bobbles on the on the final couple, the final maybe three or four holes on Saturday. Other than that, he really was pretty sharp. So, uh, you know, how would you how what would you say as far as what he was able to do um, um, in in that in that particular in that particular round? I mean, a great weekend for him. I mean, he's been hot all year. So uh, let's get your opening thoughts to start us off as far as Sheffield's performance. 
Well, before getting into the final round, which was impressive, and I'll, I'll touch on that, um, it's really been a meteoric rise for uh, Scotty Scheffler these uh, basically since uh, late January, early February, whenever the uh, Phoenix Open was, because he had not won on the PGA Tour up until then. Now, mm-hmm. I remember watching a couple of tournaments early on and thinking before he had won, been like, you know what, Scotty Scheffler is really, really, really damn good. So uh, he had gotten picked for the Ryder Cup. But if you look at how, I guess, Kepka kind of came around at a later age, too. But the guys who have sort of uh, come along lately and really exploded onto the scene, McElroy, Spieth, just came on and had these big seasons, all did so at a young age. Well, Scheffler took like a more, uh, I guess, deliberate route would be a way to put it. Um, into prof- uh, professional golf, he played all four years at Texas. Then he uh, bounced around, I guess, a mini tour in 2018, got his uh, Corn Ferry Tour for 2019, won twice there and got his PGA Tour card. And then, of course, his first full year on the PGA Tour was the COVID season. So he was kind of lurking in the shadows. But I, I think the talent was apparent. And then it just everything just took off. Um, you know, we, we hear so much nowadays about how it's really difficult to win multiple times in a season, how the guys now with how deep it is, aren't winning as much, but you know, Scotty Scheffler's won four of his last six tournaments. Mm-hmm. And he went from, I think 30th in the world to first within a span of about two months. But with all that said, and before he had won that fourth event, which of course was the masters which we're talking about now, um, there's always questions to be asked because how you react on a Sunday at Augusta national is different from, let's say, I don't know the Phoenix open or quail hollow or pick your run of the mill, non-major tournament. There's just, there's a different sort of pressure uh, when you're at a major. So even with this big lead, even with the five stroke lead, which was tied for the largest ever after 36 holes, there was a thought of how is he going to react? Now it looked like Saturday that he was sort of putting himself I think he was up by seven strokes at one point, or maybe it was six. And then he stumbled a little bit uh, at the end, but he still had a sizable lead, three strokes. Um, and then he's with Cameron Smith, who has also looked very good, two wins going into the Masters. And so we're wondering, all right, how is he going to react here? Is it going to be McElroy in 2011, or is you know is he going to is he going to be himself? And I'll tell you, the first, well, up until his third shot on the third hole, he looked like he didn't have it. On one, he hits his tee shot way left and then hits his second shot over the green and makes a nice up and down. On two, he hits a good drive, but then he just completely mishits his second shot. It, It doesn't get very high in the air. It goes hard left. Nice background, Andy. Um Goes hard left. And then on three, he blows his tee shot way left. And I, I I won't even knock him for the second shot. That's a very severe green with the undulations around it. So that can happen. And then he's sitting there and uh, Cameron Smith has birdied the first two holes. So it's a one stroke lead. What does he do? He bumps a, ch- uh, a pitch into the bank, knocks the speed off of it. It goes in, he makes a birdie. Cam Smith does not get up and down from literally the exact same place. And it's back to three strokes again. And then from there on, he's pretty much in cruise control. McElroy makes the run, but you know, he's, he was too far back. You would have had to seem like a, uh, 
Ed Sneed 1979 uh, last three holes uh, flame out for this really to happen. So, uh, and then then the other thing is, I was saying, I I guess during some chats that, you know, if he gets through 11 and 12 without dunking one in the water, he probably has it. He does that. Uh, Makes a birdie on 14, makes birdie on 15, and then, I mean, forget what happened with the 18th hole. He said himself that he was out of it mentally. So just a a very impressive performance, particularly in the fact that he built such a big lead to really separate himself from all the top players in the world. And then having never been in that position before, having only been a professional golfer now for four years and only in his third year on the PGA Tour, to be in that position and to have it not be going right at the beginning to have something clearly off with the swing with shots going way left to be able to fix that on the fly and, and then actually play very solid golf up until the 18th green, which at that point it didn't matter really shows you something about his mental makeup. He just, he's sort of, he seems like he's someone who's built for the pressure and built to get it done uh, on Sundays, which is why he's won four times. So uh, we definitely, you know, you know, who knows with these guys, cause they always seem to, it seems like success is a little bit more fleeting than it has been historically with the players that we've seen in the last decade. But mm-hmm. uh, it, it looks like we have a new star in the game. We do. And like you said, he plays beyond his years. And, and John has alluded to this. He also looks beyond his years. He looks older than he, he actually is. <laughs> That's always a fun thing about it. Um, before we bring in John to the conversation, let's just say quickly, hello, Andy. Welcome into the program. Thanks for joining us tonight. How are you doing tonight? Unmuting my camera. Yeah, thanks. Great to be on. I'm I'm really here just to kind of listen to the other guys because they know a lot more about the golf. I mean, yeah, I watched every every shot from Saturday and Sunday, but these guys are actually a little better at talking about it. I could I could bork fest it all you want. I could bork fest <laughs> it all you want. But yeah, it's uh it's good. Let if you want, talk, give it to John and I'll I'll. I'll come so, in and, and talk about, you know, Chef Scotty in a I little bit. It. And and congratulations on making the Butler Cabin. That's a really big honor. I mean. Yeah, well. <laughs> it's good. You know, um, my, uh, you know, I, I don't have a cabin. I don't have a lake house. Actually, I kind of do have a lake house. But, um, uh, no, this is the best we can do. Um, <laughs> Nance and company. All good, man. All good. Not All a right. lot of action, though. I'm sure everyone we know the, the the fucking clown NBA. Got some hockey. Got some baseball. The fucking Mets. I got the Phillies tonight. Yeah. Fuck modern baseball. That's I'm tweeting. I'll say that for later. But they, the Yankees they pulled the guy after 72 pitches. Fiddles gonna be like, what do you want them to do? It's a fucking <laughs> disgrace what they do with this, this pitch count. It's awful. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. We've been down that road, Dandy. I'm with you. I mean, it's 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 tough to take. I I I mean, I I sympathize with you there. But back to John. Um, let's talk about Scheffler. I mean, it wasn't really like you know. I I'm not. I don't have much to add myself. But uh, anything else you want to add as far as Scheffler's career arc so far? Yeah, you know, it's crazy. It's like you know, I read. I mean, all sorts of different like previews and articles, and like I'm thinking about what I'm, I'm going to do for my own picks and whatnot and then you just think to yourself man wouldn't it be so obvious 
to pick the two best players that were on the PGA Tour all season and Scheffler and, uh, and Cam Smith heading into the tournament. And, of course, me like an, an idiot picks losers like, you know, Brooks Kepko couldn't even make the cut. I'm sure we'll get to these guys after. But it's just like in hindsight, it seems so obvious that, yeah, the guys who have won the most on the tour this year were going to contend for the title. Um, but, you know, that's, that's you know, hindsight. It's what do they say? It's 2020, whatever. But, um, yeah, Scheffler, incredibly impressive. And, you know, you, you like when he started this streak – Last month in Phoenix, I actually had him outright to win that one. And you're like, all right, well, you know, he got his win. Like, he's been trending to this. He's really not going to do, um, you know, he's probably not going to win again for a little bit. Well, then here he goes again. He has a nice comeback win at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Then he he wins the match play of that. And you're like, man, this guy is just something else. And then he just comes out and pretty much dominates the field. I mean, there was only two moments where you thought this might get away from him. Um, 18 on Saturday right. where he's, he's in the bushes after he hooks his drive left. And, um, he's lucky. He got just enough of the two club lengths away from the tree. So he could, he could hit his shot and he launched like a, it was, had been like, a three, like Faldo couldn't believe it. He pulls out like a three iron and hits it 250 like online with the pin. And it goes over the, just over the back of the green. And he gets up and down for a bogey, which was huge. And then Mike mentioned it on the third hole on Sunday. What a swing that was after Smith comes right out. Like you knew he was going to be aggressive um, and make some birdies. And he, he did exactly that. And he gets to uh, within a shot or, or I think, yeah, I think it was within one shot. And that looks like a potentially huge swing on the third hole. And he drains the uh, Scheffler drains the shot with uh, his third Smith makes a bogey. And from there, they just really couldn't, you know, he couldn't close the gap had a chance on the 10th hole where uh, Scheffler makes the bogey. You think Smith is going to make this miraculous par after driving it left, pitching out, and then hitting an iron close. And for someone who was such a good putter, Cam Smith couldn't make that what was like a five-footer. And um, that was a huge swing right there that could have could have uh, gone the other way. But then he, reba- he rebounds by birdieing 11, which is like the hardest hole in the course, basically. And then just 12 just basically just did in his tournament. Yeah. And then, you know, he, he couldn't. He couldn't do anything after that, but you know, Scheffler, the one thing you just take from him is like the, the dude is not like, he's never rattled. Like there was a couple moments there where he thought like maybe he'd lost his swing. Like he, when he was like um, hooking them in the driver, but he quickly just got it back and corrected it. And he was, uh, you know, and just incredibly impressive. And, you know, you, we wonder like, Oh, I mean, the dude won for the first time. And then like just a month later, he's number one in the world after three wins. Like how could that happen? Well, like I said, he'd been trending to this. Like last year, I just looked up his stats. He was uh, out of 24 events. He was top uh, 16 in the top 25 and eight in the top 10. But look at the events that he finished top 10 in. Tied set. This was in the 2021 season. Tied seven in, at Phoenix. Tied fifth at the uh, World Golf Championships at Concession. He was runner-up at the the World Golf Championships match play uh, to Horschel. Tied eight to the Zurich Classic. All right, that's not such a great event, but still, it's a top ten. Tied eight at the PGA. Tied third at the Memorial. Tied seventh at the U.S. Open. Tied eighth at the Open Championship. Tied fourth at the World Golf Championships FedEx Invitational. So those are huge events that he was just like having really good finishes and racking up world ranking points. So I think he started the year. I want to say like I don't know within the top twenty or top thirty in the world. Like he was. Definitely trying to do this, and it just the first win in Phoenix just kind of unlocked all of this. 
to happen. And now he's, he's, he's like a dominant force. Like I'm very glad I haven't used him yet in my one and done pool. Um, we'll be using him for sure, either at the PGA or the U S open, but it's like, can he keep this going? Like, why not? Like he's on the heater of all heaters. Like you just got to keep, keep writing it with him until, until he, he stops. And I imagine the next time he'll play is probably, probably the PGA. Um, I don't know. They have that tournament in Texas at the bunny ranch, whatever the hell that course is called the week before the Byron Nelson, um, you know, we'll see what happens at that tournament, but it's in Texas. So he might play in that, but in any event, uh, you know, Scotty, very, very impressive. And yeah, uh, could not be more of like a laid back, just chill dude. And, um, you know, continued success for him for sure. Yeah. I I'm very impressed with this, with his year so far. Like I, I, I was even telling like folks in emails, like, you know, I think that might be a good pick. You know, you'd have a real shot with him. He's really been playing high all year. So um, let's go get to Andy and let's get your thoughts on Sheffield's performance and his year so far. Yeah. So, like, if you've been paying attention, we've all said, Scott, he's coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. I've been saying it for years. Scotty Scheffler gets it. And as John and Mike alluded to, like, and I'm bitter about it, like, uh, it was back-to-back events after the Ryder Cup where I bet Scotty to win outright. And it was uh, one event was the Houston Open. I think he came in second and Victor Hovland won it. And then the other one was uh, the Mexico event. And I think Jason Kokrak won that. No, I didn't know. I mean, it was Kokrak. I just forget which one did Kokrak win in Houston or did Hovland win in Mexico. Either way, Hovland, uh, either way, I was like, I want to bet Scheffler. Scheffler, he's due. He's, as John like named all those results, he's been on the precipice of like the winner circle for, for months. And I know, like I say it as a joke, but it's true. Like when he made the Ryder cup, if old baby's listening. I say it as a joke, but it's true. Like no one, no one, these guys, cause they sleep, breathe and eat golf. Like they know Sheffield, but no, the casual, the casual, the casual didn't know Scheffler last year. When he made the Ryder Cup, everyone was butthurt that Nah didn't make it or Kisner didn't make it. Like, who's got his Scheffler made it? Yeah, but Scotty definitely validated his, uh, his, you know, his role and the reason why he got picked. And uh, again, like to mock the, like the Azingers of the world that always used to say this about Fowler, like Fowler, he just needs to get in the winner's circle again, and everything's gonna come in bunches. Fowler's what Scotty Scheffler's done in the last 60 days has 50 laps around the sun to what Ricky Fowler will ever do again. Fowler is a piece of shit. Uh, and Scheffler, like, I, we don't like, we usually don't like boring, like, nonchalant guys, but, but I like Scheffler a ton because, uh, like, there's, like, a sincerity, there's, like, a genuine aspect to his, like, aw, shuck. I won't say he's boring. He's more like, oh shucks, it's pretty cool that I'm because they're like, How do you how do you feel that you're like number one? He's like, Yeah, it's actually pretty cool. Like, I don't really know how else to describe it other than it's pretty cool. Like, there's a genuine aspect to it. There's other golfers that their 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 blandness is phoniness. Like that's Webb Simpson, that's Bubba that's Bubba Watson, that's Zach Johnson. To agree, that's even Steve Stricker. But with Scotty, it's more genuine. And to John's point about like picking who's going to win the masters, like, and I'm, I'm just on a roll here with like all these nerds with the analytics and stuff. Cause I'm pissed off about the baseball, but uh, 
They were like, be wary about Scotty Scheffler because he doesn't have enough experience at Augusta. Okay, you fool. And then B, <laughs> uh, they were trying to diminish in, they were trying to diminish Cam Smith's win at Sawgrass. They're like, the only reason why Cam Smith won was because uh, he got the best of the weather and uh, it really equalized everything. And, and that's why Cam Smith won the, you know, won in Sawgrass. Oh, okay. Like, all right whatever like that's your narrative and uh you know chef scotty was cooking with the fresh ingredients and uh, as those guys mentioned like that chipping on three really kind of you know i'm not sure what his nerves how the nerves were after those first two key shots on one and two but even if his swing abandoned him he always he always had the scrambling and the putting and uh you know, the short irons and the approach shots to to kind of uh, nullify whatever, like, you know, crappy tee shots he had. Uh, he kind of equalized it with especially that chip shot. And, yeah, like, he, he – it's definitely not like a flash-in-the-pan scenario. Like, he's on a major heater. He's number one. He's actually – there's been players that have become number one without winning tournaments – you know, Lee Westwood, Luke Donald. Uh, you guys remember, uh, yeah, remember those guys? And so the fact that Scheffler, he's winning and he's number one. And he was on a Barstool podcast the other day, and he was like, number one ranking, like, it's not – it's cool. He's like, but winning tournaments is more like the end game. And that, if you ask, you know, some golfers probably don't agree with that some golfers are probably just like paychecks 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 mcmahon but you know it's cool i want to see how it keeps going um you know because and we can talk about some of these other golfers down the road like there's you know kepka dj all these other guys they, they i won't say they've like flatlined but they really haven't done a bunch lately um and yeah it's it's great it's it's good for golf. Uh, yeah, go Scotty, go. Yep, and and he really has uh, been. You know, it, everything he's done so far seems to suggest he can, can, can he can continue. I mean, his mentality is great. So uh, thank you for the quick hitters on Scheffler, Andy. Let's go look into the rest of the field, including the surprises and disappointments. But just in general, like what was the, what were the rest of the field like? Everybody else was competing for second place by the end of this tournament. Um, Mike, you mentioned some great performances by McIlroy, including a record for, tie for the record for the lowest score in a final round, thanks to my stupid two-ball bet <laughs> on Colin Morikawa, who, who shot great. He shot great, but because Rory had an all-time performance, it did not win. So anyway, let's talk about the rest of the field, Mike, and I'll give it to you and your thoughts on everybody else. I mean, Tiger obviously is going to be part of that. You can do a separate spot in Tiger if you want, but um, let's get your thoughts. Yeah, I guess with that intro, we'll do uh, Tiger on the ne- <laughs> in the next segment. All right. Uh, yeah. So, okay, rest of the field. You know, uh, I'm not going to sit here and harp about McElroy's round because basically mm-hmm. on the show in the first half of the 2010s, every time Tiger had a good round, I would criticize the media for being like, oh, well, he's, he's back now. So I'm not going to say that a 64 from McElroy on Sunday, granted, 
a good performance. It was nice to see that enthusiasm out of him. I'm not going to say that, uh, well, now now he's going to win at Southern Hills next month. Uh, who, who knows with him? There was a very interesting thing that Chambly actually pointed out on the Golf Channel in the preview to this when they weren't spending all the time talking about Tiger Woods, um, which actually they were, they were pretty good about getting off of it after Monday and doing other stuff with the amount of coverage. But anyway, getting back on point. It showed a graphic that if you look at McElroy's performances in the majors since his last major win in 2014, that he like averages in 60th place after round one, then he averages in like 20th place after round two, and then like 13th after round three. And then by the time the final day comes around, he's in the top 10. So it even came up in the uh, Discord. I think Tommy brought it up, and he's like, doesn't McElroy struggle here? And I'm like, yeah, but you know what? He always seems to find a, his way into the top 10. And he was in a, the uh, top 10 by uh, <clears throat> after Saturday, actually, after the field backed up. And listen, he very nice performance, but, you know, there's no, pre- there's no pressure on you to win at that point. So it, it's different. Uh, Cam Smith, I, you know, if you'd asked me about Cam Smith going into last year, I'd have been like, well, you know what? I, I like his scrappiness. I like his short game. Um, I don't know how good his ball striking is. He, he's really like when you saw him with Scheffler, he didn't seem all that much outgunned by him. He certainly seems to have the length and the ball striking ability to win at a place like Augusta National. So I, I do expect that we'll see him win a major, maybe even uh, multiple majors. Other guys to talk about. Let's see. Cause you know, there weren't that many people that were really, you know, in this tournament. Uh, Matsuyama was briefly, but he slid back. Sunjay M had a good first round. Um, you know, he's someone that I, I really think if he were an American player based on the amount of success that he's had at a young age, He'd probably be talked about more, but since he's sort of a, you know, quiet guy and Asian, frankly, I think that's why he's not talked about as much, but he'll be someone to keep an eye on. Um, I, I guess some of the more interesting ones were guys who actually missed the cut. Spieth was a uh, popular pick coming into this week because last week he had had one, uh, I think his greatest ball striking round. If you go by the uh, strokes gain metric in quite some time, but it was the 12th hole that did him in again because uh, he's there. He's inside the cut line, not playing great. And then he gets to 12 on Friday and he puts two balls in the water, which of course cost him back to back green jackets. So tough for him. And then Kepka out of nowhere <laughs> is going along. He's actually playing pretty well. And then he shoots a 41 on the back nine. Just all right. So. I don't know what's going on with him. Uh, It just seems like, you know, in one aspect, it was weird that he didn't win more often um, outside of the majors when he had that stretch of winning four majors in three years, regardless of how much you think he cared or didn't care about those tournaments. You almost think that if you win that much in the big events, you'd win more often outside of them, but whatnot. But I don't know. Ever since he had that knee injury, it just seems like he's, uh, he, he can't, either put the time into it or whatnot. I don't know. I'll be speculating about it. So, yeah, that's, uh, I guess that's really all. You know what? I'll respond to a couple of things Andy said, because he brought up these players. Uh, 
when Mike, uh, he started his new, Mike Francesa started his new podcast and he sort of chastised his children on one of them for wanting to follow Ricky Fowler at the event in Palm Beach. He just mentioned, he's like, I don't understand. They, they, they wanted to follow Ricky Fowler. He hasn't done anything. So Mike's right about that. And then this is even better. Steve Stricker. Now, granted, he's okay, and if he had died, I wouldn't be making light of this. But Steve Stricker, shortly after the Ryder Cup, was in the hospital for about three months with like coughing and unable to breathe and low oxygen levels. But he claims he doesn't. He didn't have COVID. Like what? His COVID denialism. I'm assuming that's what it is. Is so through the roof that he was in in the hospital with COVID for months, lost like 50 pounds, and won't admit. Yeah, I had COVID. I probably should have gotten. Uh, the vaccine uh, claims he had some sort of weird virus and the doctors really don't know what it is. So uh, shows you uh, where his head is at. Just a, uh, frankly, a bizarre thing. Oh, and I guess if we're on bizarre tropes, uh, you know, this got covered up by the Tiger Woods story, but Bryson DeChambeau is claiming that his hand and his hip injury uh, are a result of falling while playing ping pong, which there is... (laughs) There is absolutely no chance that that's what happened. So I don't know. Maybe he fell out of a bus or something because it seems like he has a significant injury. But I mean, who knows? I don't believe half the words that come out of his mouth. So I wasn't surprised to see him struggle either. But just uh, a bizarre explanation for his uh, injury troubles. Well, there you have it. That's the rundown of most of the rest of the field. We'll get into Tiger stuff a little bit in, in just a moment. But let's go over to John. Let's get your thoughts on some of the other performers from the field. As we mentioned, you know, not a lot of juice in, in, in near the top of the leaderboard, but some performances nonetheless. Let's go to you, John, for your thoughts. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, Mike hit on some a lot of stuff there. Um, first, I want to mention a Luke Donald mention by Andy. That, man, that now that goes to just show you, like, the competition – back in 2011 compared to now, like nothing against Luke Donald because, I mean, he was an okay player. I mean, he won, I think he won that tournament in, in Europe and Wentworth, but I don't, I don't think he ever won much on the PGA tour to my recollection. He basically just got to number one in the world by finishing like top 10 in a lots of, lots of stuff and won a couple times in Europe, but compare him as number one in the world to like all these guys that are playing now, like the top 20, it, there's no comparison to the competition and the depth of, talent on the PGA tour right now compared to, to, to that. But in any event, um, you know, uh, the masters. Yeah. McElroy, I mean, you know, good on him. I mean, that was an unbelievable round and Falvo spoiled bunker shot. Uh, that he was did. such bullshit. True story. But whatever. I mean, they do that a lot. Oh, this just happened a couple minutes ago. You might've heard the roar. Like they do that all the time, but he, he really spoiled it. Like he says, Oh, I'm, sh- I'm shaking here on the booth. Like, okay, well, I guess we know what happened. Um, so that was kind of kind of disappointing, but yeah, I mean, he had no pressure on him, and, and you know, it was a it was a great round. I mean, it's probably the best round he's played in a long time. But you know, he probably wouldn't have done that if he was not minus five or minus six heading into the heading into Sunday. So just the quintessential like backdoor top five. But um, would have been interesting if Scotty had like put one in the water at some point and was like only one ahead heading into 18 or 17 and 18 to with Rory sitting there with that score. But, um, you know, that never came, never came to be, but really a lot of these, these players like, um, like Rory and uh, Jordan Spieth and, and John Rahms too. I think, you know, I'm not, I'm just going to speculate here, but I think their family lives have kind of affected their golf game. Like they're all married, like new fathers, like obviously priorities change and maybe it's not, 
one of those things where you can work as hard on your, your golf game when you have all this other stuff going on. So that's certainly, um, you know, a balance that they're going to have to figure out. Like uh, John Rahm was very disappointing. Um, you know, he had an okay Sunday, but just in general, like th this is a guy who's really played well at Augusta, like multiple top tens over the past few years. Like th it's a course that he should really do well at. And he just performed really poorly. Um, same. I mentioned Kepka. Yeah, he was two under through the first nine holes and then did nothing after that. Like he, he was missing like three foot putts. It really like th things like that is when you're annoyed that you could get to see every shot of every player. Cause it's like, Oh my God, this, this guy's going to, it's going to miss this three footer. And like, you're just like thinking, what the fuck's going on here? Like get it together. And then like, once you, someone misses a putt like that, then the, the rest of their game is, you know, it's just going to go to shit. And um, just a very, very poor performance on him. He had played pretty well coming into that. The whole knock on him is like he doesn't really care about the lesser events. And then he gets up to the majors. But he had played pretty well this year. He played well in Phoenix. He played well in um, a couple of Florida tournaments. So it was really surprising for him to have a poor outing. Um, uh, Xander Shoffley is another guy everyone was touting. Like he had a horrible performance. And he's the, the – He's the king of like, you know, top tens and not winning these days. And he couldn't even make the cut. So that was just a, a brutal job out of him. Um, so, you know, that was really bad. I will mention uh, some good performances. You know, Dave, you mentioned Morikawa. Like, mm -hmm. he's a guy, like, I mean, he could win anywhere because his, his, he's probably the number one approach player on the tour or not, you know, in the top five for sure. And if you look at the guys in the top of the leaderboard, I'm, I'm talking like after Scheffler and McElroy, these are all guys who are extremely precise with their approach cameron smith colin morikawa will zalatoris Corey connors justin thomas sun jm uh shane lowry even i mean he's been playing great too all guys who are really really good with their irons and that's the key to augusta is having that accuracy to put your ball in the right spot in the green and um you know i mean you know you can't lose 10 strokes putting i mean that's not great but you know it really goes a long way to determining who's going to do well uh, for the week is, is, is the approach game. And all those guys I just mentioned are phenomenal approach players. Um, Cameron champ out of nowhere with a top 10. So I guess good job out of him. Like I haven't heard his name in a long time. So I guess he's got kind of got a thing for Augusta. Um, and Charles Schwartzel too, out of nowhere, uh, only playing because he's, you know, a past winner. He'll be like the Sandy Lyle in 30 years, just showing up to shoot 80. Um, but yeah, uh, that's kind of, Oh yeah, yeah, DeChambeau. and that was like one of the only bets I won was him to miss the cut. I mean, in their right mind, thought that he was going to do anything at this tournament. Like, I made the mistake of picking him at the Texas Open the week before. He sucked. Like, he can't he can't find a fairway. He's lost like all touch with his his short irons, and he can't putt. Other than that, he's doing pretty good. Um, you know, <laughs> just really, really bad right now. His game, and you know, I was okay. He's not healthy. He's, you know, we'll have to believe what he says. But um, yeah. Did not want anything to do with him. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of, I guess, a, a rundown of, of some of the other players. Um, Minwoo Lee, that was pretty interesting. He kind of got up there out of nowhere on Sunday with like a six under round. Just these random guys just pop out of nowhere sometimes and, uh, you know, give you a run. But, yeah, uh, pretty pre – like if you look at like – I think next year I'll just like look, okay, who's the be who are the best approach players right now? Like all those guys are in the top ten. So I guess that's kind of a – strategy to look at going forward for, for next year when we're debating who to pick. So um, definitely was an interesting leaderboard. Yeah, you talk about approach shots. That's exactly why DeChambeau is so bad. Like he's never been great with that. So 
it's not surprising that he would miss the cut. So that's a good that was a good call on your part, John. Let's go to Andy. Any any other thoughts you had as far as the rest of the field? Oh, for sure. Like, and these guys probably could expand on it better. But like, and I know, like, you know, Stuart Sink was there, and he had the hole in one. And Tommy was like, "Why is Sink? How is Sink in the in the Masters?" I was like, "Because he won RBC, won the Hilton Head event last year, you know, which is the event this year. He won the 2021 Hilton Head event, and that either." That either gave him a free spot or it catapulted him into the rankings where, like, where they did that first cut, like, you're within the top 50 at that time, you qualify for the Masters. And then you can, like, leave the top 50. But as long as you made that top 50 at that particular cut, like, you're grandfathered in the, the following year's Masters. And I only mention that because of the – Big Dick Bland a couple of weeks ago, everyone was rooting for Big Dick Bland to get within that top 50. This was uh, the Austin match play situation. He needed to beat, I think he basically needed to get to the semifinals to, to get within uh, the top 50. And he lost to Dustin Johnson in the uh, quarter final. So he didn't get in the top 50, but Stuart Sink, was there and uh, he got a hole in one, so so good for him. But yeah, I was just, just looking at this leaderboard and yeah, uh, hugely disappointed in uh, Xander uh, Shoffley. If we remember last year correctly, he was basically neck and neck with uh, Deki Matsuyama, and then he put his uh, tee shot on 16 in the drink, and he's basically you can. There's no such thing as locks, but you can always pencil him in for like a top 10 in the major. Um, and he didn't make the cut. Uh, can't lay, can't play. He was another sh- kind of a surprising guy. I mean, he made the cut and played through the weekend, but he was nowhere to be found. He wasn't in contention. He's always another guy that you can kind of expect to be flirting in contention, you know, week in, week out, especially on the majors. Um now he's one of those guys that seem his boring personality seems to be like phony baloney, but whatever. Um, I'm sure all of us saw Tyrell Hatton's performance on Saturday when he that was fun to watch, and that <laughs> continued the next day, uh, fading him against Billy Horschel. Um, he had a he had a rough weekend, Tyrell Hatton. Um, because actually, I think he was like kind of in contention after he made the cut, and then he just completely blew up both Saturday and Sunday. So uh, rough look for Tyrell Hatton. Um, some of these other guys, uh, yeah, I had a John mentioned the one and done. Uh, in my one and done lead this week, we picked uh, on the majors. We picked two, and I picked uh, Xander and Fatty Reed, and that was a disaster. The winner. Freaking ESP, he had him and Cam Smith. So it wasn't even a contest. Everyone else had like one guy miss the cut. So it was just a formality after round two. Like, how much money is he going to make? And yeah, so good good for him in the one and done league. Um, yeah, uh, Colin Morikawa and Rory, you know, they both put on a show on. On Sunday, I expected a little more out of Colin. I, I don't. I think round one kind of fried his goose, but uh, he'll be back. He's 
I think he'll get a green jacket at some point. I think Rory will get a green jacket at some point. It might be, you know, it could be 15 years from now. We don't know. But obviously that's the one little boo-boo that uh, he needs to kind of put a Band-Aid over to get that career grand slam. And uh, when when he's on, he's he's the best. And obviously Nick Faldo still has a huge, you know, hard on on him going back to his days. You know, Faldo had all those, like, junior – golf camps, those junior leagues, Rory played in those. And so Baldo's always like, he needs to get the bounce in the step. When he's bouncing in his shoulders, you know, things are going well. Um, and yeah, to maybe, maybe family life is, but he's had the kid for a while now. It's Ron that had the baby. So yeah, it's, who knows? Like there's all, there can only be one winner. Um, but the, the tournament is just so compelling. Like, you know, the cat will be like, no deuce on Sunday. And, even, you know, Pizza Boy's like, it's a boring event. And I was like, well, that's why you got to have 10 head-to-head bets on Sunday. You know, so mm-hmm. when you're up in the morning, like, you're betting on, you know, I don't know if Tiger and Rom had a line, but there are other plenty of, I think like, they Max did. Homa. Oh, you could bet on Max Homa versus, uh, what's his face? Who was it? I don't know. It was Higgs and Lee Westwood. I'm looking at now. I think it was, uh, oh, I know who I was. It was Homa and, uh, and Hughes, a Canadian. And uh, we pushed that. So, yeah, you could, you can have all these head-to-head matches just to keep it interesting, just in case, you know, you know the, leader, the leader just kind of extends himself, and that's kind of what happened. But, you know, our, our friend Lee – not my friend, but, you know, Lee Westwood, you could – I mean, he wasn't – there was no, no chance in hell he was winning, but he got a top 20. He, he finished top uh, – tied for 14th. And because uh, he's played it – Augusta, you know, many, many, many years. He knows that course inside and out. So, you know, he's an old freaking man, but he'll probably be there next year. And that's what I regret, not betting him to, you know, win a top 20. His head-to-head for the tournament was against the Scottish guy, McIntyre, and uh, Westwood was a dog. He won by a stroke, plus two. McIntyre was plus three. Very sure, but it's, you know, just going through these scores here. And uh, I think Mike's right with uh, Sung J M. He, he, you know, someone like Gators, like he looks like Hideki Arabu, so he's not fun to watch. But uh, he, he plays every week. Like he legitimately plays almost every week on tour. And uh, you know, he he he's good. He's he's good. Like he, I wouldn't rule him out to win a major down the road. And so you know. And if I would watch, I would watch Sung JM if you're playing in my backyard. Webb Simpson, I would not. Um, and Will Zalatoris, John and Mike. Next year we gotta we gotta remember Zalatoris plays well in Augusta, and uh, have to throw a couple shekels on him to finish top ten. Corey Connors too, like three years in a row now, top ten. Like it's just it's crazy how these guys they get on a streak and they just play the course well. So it, I think Augusta is probably the like, you know, you look at each week, like, course history. Like, it's the one – it means the most at Augusta, in my opinion, compared to other courses. Yeah. Hey, Dave, I don't want to hijack the program, but these guys can elaborate on it, too. Like, I don't know if you're going to ask, like, what do you guys think of the course and the changes? I, I, yeah, like, actually, it was, actually. True story. But go ahead. I want to hear Mike's thought on this because, like, back in the day – well, not back in the day, but, like, previous years, you could always be, like – you could automatically be, like, birdie two – 
like flirt with eagles on 13 and flirt with eagles on 15 and like that didn't happen at all mm-hmm. and uh i know they lengthened 15 and it was like uncharacteristically different directions where the wind was going but uh amen corner this year like none of the players brought amen corner to its knees yeah Here's what happened with uh, the course this come, going into the tournament. So they lengthened 11 and 15 uh, going you know, earlier in the year in advance of the tournament. But one other thing that happened was the temperature was cold. It was like 60 or below for a lot of the a lot of the days, and so it was an extremely unusual, extremely unusual weather for this time of year. So Mike, I do want to go to you for your thoughts on what happened with the course. They lengthened it. I wondered if there was impact from that. I mean, Andy raises a great question. And what do you think the impact was with the weather? Well, I'll start with 15 because 15 was a bit of a botch for this week, I think. Um, I understand lengthening 15 because, like, when Sergio won, he hit an 8-iron in as his second shot, and he shouldn't have that. But now, what Augusta normally does is it's not like there's three or four tees. You just have the Masters Tournament tee, and then you have the Members tee, which is like 63, 6,400 yards. So when they do these uh, major lengthening the holes, as far as I know, they don't keep the old tee. I was trying to look to see if I could see, did 15 still have the old tee? Because like on five, if you guys remember, when they lengthened five from about 450 to 500 yards. There's no more T anymore at five at 450 yards. It's gone. So there's just the master's T and then there's a member's T. Now lengthening 15, I think warm weather, neutral wind makes sense. But if you're going to turn 15, there were no Eagles at 15. And that's the first time that's happened since 1965. I think sometime in the mid 1960s. Um, that shouldn't be the case. You should have guys be able to go for two, uh, go for it in two, and make them hit a bit of a longer club. Make it so that it, it's at least a I don't know five iron or a lot of guys are carrying seven woods now, which is interesting. Make it so it's that club. That's fine, but I mean they they usually know the course so well that it almost makes me think that they didn't have a tee that they could move it to at like 520 yards, because I don't think they would have just left it there with no one being able to go to the green and two. So I think that's a bit of a botched uh, move by them. If they don't have the flexibility, it'll be interesting to see what they do. And then with 11, um, 11 played is the toughest hole on the course. What I, I liked what they did lengthening it and taking some of the trees out on the right side. But I almost think what they did with the green to make the bailout uh, much more difficult and elevating the green more and making the hollow on the right go down was almost a little bit too much because you have water left. If you're going to make the whole 520 yards and make guys come in with a uh, long iron, all right, no, I, I that's fair. I think we need more of that, actually, in the professional game. Give guys a bigger fairway. Make them come in with a longer iron on a par four because they don't really have to do that. But you got to give them somewhere to miss a little bit. Um, and then the other thing I would say, generally speaking, if we're going to take a, you know, a, a larger view of this, when they quote unquote tiger proof the course, one of the things that they've done is they made the back nine more difficult in relation to the front nine than it previously had been. So 
it's almost it's much more difficult nowadays to really shoot that scorching low score on the back nine just because 10's a bitch and 11's a pain in the ass and you know 17 and 18 can get you in trouble and you know 16's usually a funnel but four, 14 the green's wild and you kind of have this off-camber fairway so that hole always gave Jack Nicholas trouble so you almost I, I would almost think that Augusta would work a little bit better if they they need an alternate team ground on 15. I would soften 11 a little bit and then I would just sort of I would walk back some of the changes Hootie Johnson made to sort of give them give the guys a little bit more room on the back nine just so we can see lower scores. So I, I understand what they were trying to do in theory, but I think the weather and the wind, especially on 15, kind of threw it off a little bit. Yeah, I definitely thought that was a factor. Um, let's go back to John and let's uh, see if you had any thoughts as far as the course changes. Yeah, nothing else really to add. I mean, the weather definitely played a factor. Anybody who has played golf knows that once it starts dropping under a certain temperature, like the ball is just not going to go as far um, with any of your clubs. So, um, do you, you add that plus the wind plus the lengthening of the of the hole? Like 15 was basically like I kept watching on the on the you know the 15th hole coverage, and then just all the players I was watching go through. It's just like okay, they're in the fairway, they're going for two. Like almost every single guy was laying up. Um, it, it just it was just crazy to see. So um, you definitely kind of want that. Uh, even the just the prospects of an eagle chance, just to say okay, well if you're you're three behind, like all right, I can get an eagle here, then it can you know pick off one of the other holes and it just wasn't happening. So um, I definitely agree that I think they need to, um, it was just a, a, you know, a mix of a lot of different things that didn't work out for them in terms of that hole. I thought 11, what they did there was interesting, especially with the trees on the right-hand side. Um, I don't know. It was it's a little wonky in my opinion. You know, you like, you kind of hit your shots off a little bit and then you're behind like three trees. Like, I don't know. That just didn't seem like it was, I guess, fair. Like, I mean, I don't know. I'd rather see it in like if you're if you're gonna be off with your shot, like be in the whole forest instead of just behind two trees. Like I don't know. That that was just my feeling on it anyway. So, um, you know, we'll see if they. I guess there's like a, this plot of land like these people just won't give up, uh, like next to the course. And I'm not. I don't remember what hole that they would uh, work with that land if these people would ever give up their house. But it's like obviously they're probably offering millions and millions of dollars. And if it ever happened, they they're, they do more modifications to the course but um yeah i mean all, all these little changes they definitely had an impact like like you guys were saying at 15 like no one was even going trying to go for it in two for most of the week interesting so uh well said everybody everybody um thank you very much for your thoughts on that john so i think all we have left is a tv coverage and media coverage so internet coverage too espn plus all the online things um we got the cat dave Oh, oh yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I knew this was going to happen. Sorry, sorry, yes, yes. We must address the feral, large feral cat as you refer to him, Mike. So let's hear it. <laughs> uh, I'll be uh, fair about that. I did not coin that term, the large feral cat. My uh, dad's <laughs> college roommate calls Tiger Woods the, the large feral cat. So, uh, all right. Not, not an original thought by me. It's a line I've stolen. So. I got you. Okay. Let's uh, I, I have some original thoughts, but that one is not mine. <laughs> um, listen, I'll say this. Um, 
after my initial annoyance of this whole circus that got built up, I was actually less annoyed than I would expect to be because look, granted we get saturated with this stuff too much and it's always overboard, but there is a significance to someone who's had a career like him coming back and playing for the first time in a year and a half when there was a point in time we wondered if he'd ever play golf again. That being said, there are two things. Well, I, I guess two of the points are kind of one, but there's a few things going on here. One is that the media coverage of Tiger is clearly, it's almost a uh, reflection of our society at large and that we're so like focused on the short term, like the business world. How do we make our next, uh, how do we make our next earnings report look as good as it can be for the, just for the next earnings report? Who gives a crap what's going to happen in 10 years? We're just so focused on just immediate gratification and whatnot and being in the present that there's no there's no sort of long term strategy with how they cover him anymore. It's very clear that their goal right now is just to milk Tiger as long as they can to draw in the casual fan. They have no plan to try to link this person into watching golf after Tiger's done. They just want to capitalize on. The uh, however many appearances he has left in him where he could where he's not so old that like even a casual fan would be like, well, he can't win. This, this is a joke. So and, and that's disappointing because one of the things that happened as a result of this covid pandemic is that we had this explosion in golf. People that were not necessarily into the sport or didn't play the sport are now involved with it. And instead of trying to sell these people who maybe were not tuning in every week on, look at this incredible depth of talent we have in, they're still like giving this idea that, well, you know, golf is really, it's, it's really not that good unless Tiger is playing. And it's just, it's created this person who tunes in when Tiger watches that, is unable to articulate what the special things he did in terms of golf actually were, like what his talents were, what he could do that other players couldn't do. It's just more like they think he's great just because he's Tiger. They won't say, well, it was him and John Daly who were 25 yards longer than everyone else, and he was the best iron player in the world, and he made every clutch putt. It's like they're not able to... They're not able to like assess his greatness within the game of golf. It's just, it's because he's Tiger. And then the other thing is, is that, look, he's had such a great career. And I would say that he's probably number two all time. And you can make a very legitimate argument for him as number one. I'm not going to go in and say, well, you know, you're full of nonsense. No, you can make a legitimate argument. That being said, instead of just talking about like legitimate reasons or legitimate greatness things, uh, legitimate like uh, points to accentuate and explain his greatness, they have to exaggerate things. And I'll give you two examples of that. The golf channel ran a uh, graphic and did a segment trying to essentially say that, well, you know, Tiger Woods with all these injuries and stuff has outperformed uh, Rory McIlroy and Dustin Johnson. Now here's what the graphic said. The graphic gave total wins from 2007 until today. So it's like, wait a minute. Rory McIlroy was 17 years old in 2007. He, he was a child. 
So how can you compare, how can you start a clock if you're going to compare Tiger and Rory in 2007? You can't do it. And then I, I was like, well, also, wait a minute. Wasn't like 2007 and 2009. I know he hurt the knee, but he, he came back in 2009 and he was fine. He didn't, he, he blew the major to Y.E. Yang. But I was like, okay, how many of these 27 wins came from 2007 to 2009? So I look it up. And it's 17 of the 27 came in that three years span. Oh, wow. So really, if you're going to compare, because Tiger had 27 and it was slightly more than DJ and slightly more than Rory. But if you're really going to do the comparison, it's like 20 something to 10 in both of them. In fact, there really isn't all that much of a comparison. And then if you cut it off at 2013, Tiger's won three times. So they, they just presented this narrative to someone who is not really paying attention to golf that Tiger has basically been battling or been on the even with uh, two of the premier players over the last 10 years when th- that's not what's happened. And, and the casual fan is not going to pick up on that. So that is just dishonest. And then the New York Times had an article that led off with the premise that Tiger Woods was not supposed to win the 1997 Masters. And I'm like, wait a second. I remember watching this. I remember in 1996, my dad like being like, Mike, stop here. Watch this guy. This is the next great player in golf. And then he made me watch the 96 U.S. Amateur because it was a historic moment and I should see it. I remember that as a kid. Tiger Woods was ranked number one in the world going to 97 Masters. I actually looked this up. And he was the co-favorite along with Greg Norman. And the, the headline of the story is he was not supposed to win. Now, listen, what he did at the 97 Masters is an incredible story. But you don't need to, like, you, you don't need to try to accentuate it with bullshit. And that's what they do. That's what drives me nuts. It's just golf goes from being centered around the person who watches golf all the time and is into the sport to when Tiger Woods gets involved. It's entirely, the coverage is entirely uh like aimed at someone who doesn't watch golf except when he plays and it drives me nuts um and i can say one other point which is look he was clearly in pain he clearly worked hard to come back from this that being said i'm using that line too much but what whatever um when he played at the father's son in december He was able to hit the ball pretty damn well. He was keeping up with like younger tour pros in terms of distance. And at that point, I was thinking, you know what? Probably going to play the Masters at some point. He's got five months or four or five months to work on the walking. He'll probably play at that uh, uh, at some point by uh, by now. And if we're going to be honest in how what Tiger's whole uh, public image has been. He's very much someone who keeps to himself and sort of lies behind a PR image. I think that he probably knew much further back that he was going to play this week um, and kind of milked it a little bit because his agent Steinberg or whatever the guy's name is, he's someone who's pretty famous, just kind of, he kind of goes along with what he wants to do. There's just, there's just so much PR crafting in the public narrative behind Tiger that it's hard for me to like believe that he really didn't know that he was going to play. You know, that being said, listen, he gave, I think, a pretty valiant effort in round one, and he wasn't able to hold up. Now, even if his leg is better and it affects him less, he's still he's 46 years old. 
He's had a lot of injuries, and it's just it's inevitably going to be tough for someone of his age to string together four rounds. And there should be a realization of that, and there should be an attempt to try to grab this fan who's watching when he's playing and try to like link them up with this current generation so that maybe at least some of them will keep watching, but they're not going to do that. So that's incredibly frustrating to me. Um, I think he will play Southern Hills, even though he didn't commit to it because they've just done they've done what they call a restivation of Southern Hills. And there's actually a lot of similarities between that course and Augusta. And he won there before the, uh, the restivation. So uh, I'd expect to see him in May too, but you know he hasn't announced it, so we'll probably have the same circus of will he or won't we, uh, he until the Sunday before the tournament. So yeah, I hope he plays, but that's going to be a little bit of a uh, pain in the ass to have to watch. With my full expectation that he will be playing in the PGA Championship, and I, I think you're right about that. I think he will be in the PGA Championship as well. So I mean, all things considered, I, I feel like um, he did well for himself, but. As you mentioned, Mike, I mean, the positioning of Tiger is the only thing that matters in golf is is a frustrating position, so I totally sympathize with you there. Uh, John, let's go to you, and uh, let's think, is there anything you'd like to add as far as the Tiger saga going into the Masters this weekend? Yeah, not much to add. I, like like I was saying before, it's just it's amazing how, like, the they, they kept moving the goalposts the entire week. Like, when you showed up on Tuesday, it's like, oh, Tiger can win this, like, you know, he, he's going to be in contention after round one. Here he is, two under par. Like, let's go. Is he going to put on the green jacket again? And by Sunday, it was just like, oh, look look at Tiger. He's he's finishing the round. Good for him. This is the this is the most remarkable thing in the history of golf. Like, I'm, I'm not criticizing Tiger. Like, I think it's, you know, it's unbelievable that he came back from this yeah. injury and, and played here. It's just I just could not stand, like, that just the constant – narrative shifting over the course of the week and it just goes to mike's point of what he was just talking about it's just it's really really frustrating to to try and and uh and listen to um i i, I don't know you know we'll see about i mean southern hills like it's got to be pretty hilly or else they wouldn't call it that um but i think he did commit already to play at st andrews and that's like an incredibly just like flat course by the ocean so i i would expected him to play there anyway um even if he didn't play the masters he was going to play at st andrews i feel um so i guess we'll see about about Southern Hills. What is um, uh, the U.S. Opens at Brookline, right, or or the course in Boston? I don't. I, don't, I remember they had the Ryder Cup there. Justin Leonard made like a ninety-foot putt to to win. Um, is that course like hilly? I don't. I don't know what the what the deal is with that course. Um, but we'll we'll see about that. But um, yeah, it's just like I agree. With, you know, with, with everything that Mike had said, and just my overall point is like I just it was just pretty pretty sad like how it changed from like oh the tiger's gonna win to like oh my you know let's give him a round of applause for for finishing and you know he definitely should get credit for for showing up and competing but like let's have that expectation and just at the start of the week where it's like all right let's not really expect him to be in contention here it's great that he's playing but it just is just way too over the top uh once like you know at the start when they're saying oh this this guy's gonna gonna contend after he hasn't played a competitive round in, in 500 days. Like when he won the Masters three years ago, I know, I know people remember, but he had won the Tour Championship in September. He had won the tournament in Japan before that. Like, like he was leading up to this, uh, to that event. Like he wasn't just going to show up here and, and win. Like it just, it was just crazy. So that's kind of my, kind of my thoughts on it. 
That's well put, John. I think those are. That's, thank you very much for for your thoughts as well. Um, I think that that's a very comprehensive analysis. So um, let's give it to you too, Andy. What do you have to say as far as Tiger's weekend? Um, so, hold on, I'm just firing a tweet. <laughs> it's either that or break the monitor. I don't want to do that. Um, fucking Mets. What they blew yesterday. They didn't blow yesterday's game in classic Met fashion. I would have taken them tonight. Instead, I took the Phillies. Anyway, about Tiger and what Mike was when Mike was talking about it, it just reminded me of Francesca's uh, ramble that's probably over like. 14 years old now about Joe DiMaggio, like what Joe DiMaggio is doing in 1982 is being Joe DiMaggio. Joe DiMaggio 1982 isn't based on Joe DiMaggio 1982. It's based on Joe DiMaggio 1941. It's predicated on Joe DiMaggio 1941. What Joe DiMaggio is doing in 1980 is built on what he did in 1942, 1941, et cetera, et cetera. And so <laughs> my point, Tiger Woods circa 2022 is based on Tiger Woods circa 1997 to whether you want to say it's 2007 or 1997 to 2013, whatever your bookend for Tiger Prime, that's up to you to decide. But it's certainly not, you know, Tiger Woods 2022 isn't based on what Tiger Woods is doing in 2022. It's Tiger Woods in 2022 is being Tiger Woods based on what he did from 1997 to 2013. And uh, the casual. Um, I will say the casual and myself included, like, I, I wanted to see Tiger do well. I'm not, I'm stupid. I can admit I'm stupid, but I'm not stupid enough and naive to think he's actually going to win the whole damn thing. I bet on him to make the cut and we have to sweat it out a little bit on Friday. And, and then after that, it's like, it's gravy. Like, I think he was matched up with kids on Saturday and I was pumped up for that because I, I love watching kids and I like. I'm still going to root for Tiger, and neither of them had it on Saturday. Um, and then, yeah, to the other guy's points, like CBS, come hell or high water, we're, we're, they were going to show Tiger put it out on 18 and walk and hug his family and, and Amanda Balionis and all that stuff. And Tiger, he looked tired. He looked worn out. He looked like he's, you know, a circus performer that's been performing under the big top for many years and you look tired as hell who wouldn't and uh what else does he have to prove i don't know i'm not a competitor like him uh and i feel like he's he's gonna give it a go at, at the open and we'll, we'll find out about southern hills i don't know how hilly brookline the country club is it's a donald ross course uh, I'm not really sure what that looks like. If I had to guess, you would probably not play it, but we'll, we'll see. Um, but back to like the casual fan and how it's such a, I don't, it's not chicken egg. It's, I don't know what you want to call it. I, I don't know if it's catch 22, I, whatever you want to call it. But, uh, and I'm not trying to like pick on like Tommy or captain or whatever, but like when tiger was playing, like, you get someone like Captain that's going to tweet, like, horned up, Tiger Woods. Like, he's not going to do that for Hideki Matsuyama. And Tommy, God bless his heart, he's not going to get into a, a major if Tiger's in it. Like, if someone like Victor Hovland was – like, Victor Hovland isn't going to make the casual fan, like, be glued to the television for five hours. Tiger Woods still is. 
And why, I, I'm not smart enough to answer that question, but he is, he still is. And Mike, may, these guys make much better points, but like, it's, uh, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Like, the, I don't know how you educate the casual fan to like, stop paying attention to Tiger Woods and focus on Sam Burns. Like, my friend texted me last week, like, Sam Burns is a fucking really good golfer, but who's Sam Burns is playing? You want, I don't know who Sam Burns is. I don't, but we know Sam Burns. We know who Sam Burns is. Like, and so he goes, well, I understand like the Schefflers, the Sam Burns, the Hovlands, the future of golf and exciting players, the Brysons, the DJs, the Rory's, the Kepkas, even the Fowlers and the Spieths of the PGA Tour are going to step up for the good of the game and win some fucking tournaments. They're the names that all the casual fans know and these guys need to be competitive for golf to stay relevant and i don't know if that's 80 percent true 90 percent true 50 percent true the fact that it's like there's partial truth to it is a problem yeah <clears throat> that's true i mean golf is driven by personalities though and i think that's the biggest thing about it um it's it's an it's an interesting it's in an interesting crossroads that that, that I, I will certainly agree to that. So like Morikawa, I I think Morikawa the star. And yeah, the Francesca was like I think it was a month ago when he's like golf needs a star. Like, yeah, that that, that gets a little annoying because it's like they're like oh they uh, what was it wasn't it Mike the one that says that like and it's like Mike, <laughs> you have exciting players in the tour. Like I don't really know where that comes from, but it is what it is. Mike lost me on golf when he said in his like mantra like golf season's over when the US Open's done. Like, what? It's the middle of June. <laughs> yeah, Mike a little And lost. that was when the PGA championship was in August. It's like, wait, there's still two majors and what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> you know, I will I'll interject quickly on this. Oh, go One for though, it. you are completely right about Mike. Um you know, Mike with his golf, eh, I forget who originally said this, someone in our group, but that Mike is like constantly five years behind on stuff. So like <laughs> he was still in 2012 listing Fred Couples as a big name. It's like the guy's 52 years old. He plays on the senior tour. He plays, I think, two events on the PGA Tour a year, Riviera and the Masters. And he's saying he's a big name. So it's like he was late to the party on Rory. Uh, he has no clue who Morikawa is. But I, I will say this, though. Golf would benefit if we had someone come along who could have like the career of a Tom Watson or I don't want to say Arnold Palmer because Arnold Palmer was this cultural phenomenon who came along during the initial TV age and was one of the most popular people in America. But if someone could have a career that could match Tom Watson, seven, eight majors or Palmer, seven, eight majors. I think that would be good for golf. Someone who can get like, if Rory had continued doing what he was doing and he had, if he was sitting at six or seven right now, I think that could sort of, that could be someone people could gravitate behind. And we just, we haven't been able to get to that. Spieth got to three and he's crapped out. Kepka got to four and he's hasn't done anything. And Rory's been at four now for going on eight years. I think if we get someone at the level of Tom Watson, it would be good for golf. And we just, we haven't yet. Hmm. Yeah, you're right. I think I'm just getting anybody to win like three or four majors in a short period of time. It hasn't really happened lately. You know, if you talk, if you're looking back, maybe three or four years. So, 
good points, everybody. Thank you very much for those. So, um, I mean, I don't know how much time you all want to spend on the telecast. There's not really much to talk about. It's pretty much the same as it always has been. The coverage by ESPN Plus, which mirrors that of the Masters.com website. Very good. So, I, I don't really have anything to say as far as that is concerned. Um, but, John, if you had anything to add as far as the TV coverage and whatnot, uh, I'll give it to you for your thoughts. Yeah, no, you can't you can't beat the Masters website. I mean, you pick whatever player you want, and you can see every single shot. And you can create the little the my group thing where they just show you the, the shots of the players that you want. So if you're like myself and Andy betting multiple head to heads, or I texted you guys, I had an interesting prop where um, it was on FanDuel. You could bet Cameron Smith and Shane Lowry in the final round to shoot 70 or better. And the odds on that were 10 to one. And I was like, Oh my God, like I know Smith is just going to go crazy on Sunday, like in making birdies saying, yeah, I know he's going to get some back, but that that fucking hole on twelve ruined my bet. Like mm. he'd not tripled that, I would have won for sure. Uh, Lowry ended up shooting three under, which you know, and that was with the triple of his own uh, on the I believe it was the par three, the fourth hole. Uh, but anyway, my I digress. My my point is, you know, that service is just unbelievable. And uh, granted, like it's a once a year thing, and it's only what eighty nine, ninety players to to capture. So it's it's you know, it's not your regular tour event, but man, PGA Tour needs to invest into something like that. Just just for the gambling and fantasy community of being able to follow every shot of every player, like actual video. Like I know you get this, like the shot tracker, like, oh, you know, 290 yards to left fairway. Like, okay, wait, what the hell does that do for me? Um, and, and the PGA Tour has expanded. I don't know if we've, we have, we haven't had a golf show yet this year. So just the ESPN Plus coverage in general, of the early tournament coverage just like week to week on the PGA tour is phenomenal um, compared to what it was like you'd get nothing until three o'clock. Now you can literally turn on your TV or your t- tablet, your computer, whatever at 7am when the first guy tees off and you can get coverage all day long. So um, granted you only get a couple groups, you know, they show you shots here and there throughout the course, but still that's so much better than what it was. But yet, there's still a long way to go too. I think they could, they can get to the point eventually where you can see a video of every player um, and every shot, which I think long term has to be the goal. Um, so that's that's great. Um, you know, the, the the TV coverage it is what it is. We'll say it again. Like CBS, like the one like weak link in their team right now is Dottie Pepper. She's just awful. Um, the rest of them are, are I'm fine with. You know, they they um, I think. Uh, you know who they need to get more TV coverage for is Colt Nost. I really like his analysis. Like if you watched any of the coverage over the weekend, like on ESPN Plus, that guy is—he's—he's he's like he's witty. He like he—he he under he knows the game. He's a former player, and he's just—he's just got something about him. They need to when they have had him on CBS before, like he really banter[s] well with the rest of the team. So I'm saying get rid of Dottie Pepper and let's bring Colt Nost down full time. And I think CBS is is good to go. That's my one uh, change. I think they should make to their lineup. All right, John. I, I mean, very interesting ideas here. So, uh, Mike, your thoughts on the media coverage? Uh, I'll be limited on this. Um, yeah, terrible week for Dottie Pepper. Um, errors all over the place with um, Scheffler on seven. Oh, that's, that's definitely less than driver. I mean, while I just see him, like, lining up this gigantic head, it's like, well, you know what? That, that's a that's not a driver. That's a new club I don't know about. So, yeah, she's uh, – 
I don't know. She needs to be put out to pasture. But the thing is, that they're not going to replace her with Colt Nose because let's be honest, guys, it's 2022. They're not going to replace Dottie Pepper with a guy at this point, like eh, rightly or wrongly. I'm sure you can find someone who is on the LPGA tour who's sort of winding down who wants to get into it that probably has a knack for doing this. You just you need to find that person. But I do agree that because they have Colt Nose now on CBS uh, every week as one of the walking analysts, but he wasn't in that role at Augusta for whatever reason. Um and I just think that the CBS broadcast without him was um, it's not as good. You know, he, he re- he's really adding a lot to it. Uh, Vern Lundquist did not, you know, they clearly try to limit him, but he did not. I remember a couple years ago, he just seemed really out of it. He, he didn't seem that bad this uh, this, um, this year. He was able to get in his quick bits and get out. So. That's good. You don't want to see any uh, senior moments from him. But I'll focus on this, though. So I was a bit out of the mix the uh, first two days, unfortunately, at least from being able to sit down and get in front of a TV and watch, you know, work. And I had this event that I had to volunteer at and whatnot, but that's besides the point. But it it really showed me just how damn good, like, their coverage is even on, take your phone and pull up the Masters app and... You just you click on the leaderboard, you click on the guy, and boom, 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 you have all their shots. You're not out of it. You don't feel like you're out of the mix even if you are out of the mix. So what they've done is they've gone from being a little bit behind the curve with the coverage with not starting the television until 3 o'clock, and it always used to be a thing on this show. We'd come in and say, you know, they they got to find a way to expand the coverage. Now they really have, even if they're um, – broadcast television schedule is not as heavy as the other ones. They frankly have the best coverage. I mean, you are not going to miss anything just if you have your phone. So it doesn't matter where you are. If you can sneak a glance at your phone, you will be up to date on the master. So really a uh, incredible job by them uh, providing that. Yeah, I, I mean, it's really fun to watch. And I think when, as you, and it works on the computer too. If you have a, like a good computer, you can really just watch an entire round, every single shot in a row. It's really impressive. So uh, let's swing it over to Andy and let's get your media coverage thoughts. Yes, yeah, so I'm guessing IBM being such a sponsor, they get all the, they use that technology that IBM has. <laughs> but it, it, it's amazing. I don't know if that's true or not, but I, I suspect it is. I don't know. We had the annual fight with Tommy about like, why can't ESPN give us what you get on your phone and your computer and, He's just going around and around and around on the Discord, but other people actually chimed in and it was like, I don't have to, I don't have to fight this. And other people chimed in. It's like, you know, if you have a smart TV, you can ESPN Plus on your whatever, whether it's your Roku, your PlayStation 4, your Apple TV, your Infinity Flex, you can put it on your monitor, put it on your TV, put it on your monitor, put it on your phone to Mike's point and it's great. Uh, also, what I noticed, because I got my monitor here and I got this laptop here, it's like, and obviously the laptop's smaller than the monitor. When I have the leaderboard on, it's like two different leaderboards depending on the dimensions of the screen. I don't know why it was that case, but if I was dragging it from one to the other, like it just, the font kind of changed a little differently. And uh, it was definitely something. But again, that's uh, just kind of nitpicking. And I, th- 
it's not a good or a bad thing. It's just something I noticed from the Shern department. Um, the Colt, Colt, no, I don't know how to pronounce the last name, but Colt, um, I wonder if like the masters thought like he'd say something a little too blue for them. Cause he's kind of, he's a young guy. He like, he likes to have a good time. He drinks his beer and, uh, I wonder if they're like they they didn't want another uh, whatever the guy with the mustache that said like bikini like all those years ago and was never allowed to do a broadcast from Augusta again because uh, Tommy to his point you know he could be kind of a clown but he was we brought up Burn and he's like I wonder if it wasn't even CBS's call to bring back Burn and it's just like Augusta wants Burn on sixteen for tradition standpoint and uh, there was one instance where. Uh, it was Saturday's round and Scheffler, Scheffler played 16 and Vern, it was, it sounded like Vern thought like his round was over. <laughs> it's just like, uh, he's got 17 and 18 left here. This isn't 18. But, uh, besides that, he, yeah, he didn't really kind of, he didn't move the needle either way. It was just, it was just Vern and he's a, le- he's a living legend, but yeah, he, he's been, around the block and then some and yeah he, he i mean he doesn't even do like the sun bowl or anything you know like well if you got to bring him out for augusta i could bring him let him join up with gary danielson for old time's sake for the, the sun bowl but no it's he he's up against it and um you know life goes on we'll we'll have a new new guy at 16 eventually but yeah in in terms of dotty pepper like yeah, it's it's squishing on an ant at this point. She was so bad, and um, and Faldo just can't keep a secret. You guys alluded to that, but here's the thing: as for the lampooning that he got, like a lot of times when they show guys that really aren't in it, like you, you kind of know, like this putt's gonna go in or this chip shot's gonna go in. So, but yeah, he he kind of blew. He blew it on that one. Um, and it, yeah, it was in terms of the rest of the tournament, like in the span of the four days, it was, it, it wasn't, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't the best. It was, it was good. And I'm thankful to be able to watch on the phone or have all the different options on a Saturday or Sunday. So you can have like, sometimes it's like you get overwhelmed. Like if, you're degenerate and you got like 10 bets going on or 11 head to head plus the three you got 28 golfers on your leaderboard and you know you got Eamon Cormer you got CBS you got featured group and it's just like whoa it's a lot and that's like but they're all kind of they all complement one another um and then at sometimes you're just like you're not you don't even care who's like top five in the tournament you're just like well what's going on with Harry Higgs like what's going on with Harry Higgs in this like meaningless matchup, you know, cause he's tied for 21st or whatever. <laughs> but um, it's a, it's a great tournament. Like it's the one tournament that or the one like sporting event that I will stick around after it's over to watch the interviews, mm-hmm. you know, Nance and the, all that pomp and circumstance in the cabin. Like it's just, it's just, and, and we all love the courts, obviously. It's just, uh, if it's, if it's like, if, if 
if it's actually a close masters like you get with Sergio and Dustin Rose those years ago, that's almost icing on the cake. Not to sound like a fucking, you know, golf purist, but it's, <laughs> it's true. Like I love I love the event. Yeah. And I think that's a very good that's reasonable that's a very good point. You know, it's such a great pageantry regardless of the outcome. But with that said, I will say I was definitely more out of it in the final three holes than I had been in a very long time. Like, I did hang around to see him hit the final putt, which, as uh, Mike alluded to this, you know, he I think he three-putted because it was like he definitely putted way more than he was supposed to, but it didn't matter. He was so far ahead, it really made no difference. And it was fine. It was definitely nerves. But I'd done something I hadn't done in a, I hadn't. I don't think I've ever done before watching the Masters. I forgot to hang around for the, the green jacket. And I think that just speaks to how far out of hand that tournament really was. Like, it was really out of hand. So, um, I, I'm i sorry I missed it. I don't know, Mike, any, anything I should remember, anything I should be I'd be aware of as far as what happened with the green jacket ceremony? So, uh, <laughs> this may knock my credibility for appearing on a, a, oh, no. a golf <laughs> podcast, but I missed it too. No, it's, you know, I got so much stuff going yeah. on now. It's like, okay, it's over. I'm sure I will see a clip of of uh, <clears throat> Hideki putting the green jacket on him. You know, I, I really I didn't have time to stick around and watch it. So, oh, okay, I didn't see okay. it either, Dave. Uh, John, any thoughts? Yeah, <laughs> add me to the list. So no credibility on this program anymore. <laughs> I mean, no. I understand what Andy's saying. Like, it's a, it's a nice <laughs> event to, to watch at the end. It's just like, all right, I really don't have time for this right now. Like, so it is what it is. <laughs> I really appreciate your honesty. This is this is quite a revelation for me, though, I must say. All right. So um, <laughs> let's just move ahead in that case. Uh, folks, we have some tournaments coming up. Uh, we mentioned a few of them. We have, we have Southern Hills for the BGA Championship in May. Yeah, the Byron Nelson before that, and then a bunch of other ones, including the uh, the, Mexico, the Mexico Open, which can have some juice sometimes. So um, I'm going to go back to Mike. Um, let's go look ahead at some of these tournaments coming up. Uh, what's on your radar? So we have a better-than-usual field next week at uh, the Heritage in Harbortown on uh, Hilton Head. Um, of course, not including the year that they, the COVID year where it was the second tournament back and everyone played just because it was, it was an opportunity to play, uh, PGA tour golf for the first time in two months, but just some of the names in the field, we have Colin Morikawa, Cam Smith, Patrick Cantlay, Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnston, Shane Lowry, Corey Connors, Daniel Berger, Jordan Spieth, uh, Joaquin Neiman, Terrell Hatton. Kokrak, Horschel, Kistner. Uh, yeah, that is a uh, much better than usual field. So that'll be interesting because there, there's really no other course like uh, Harbortown on the PGA Tour with just how tight it is and how much it can uh, neutralize length. So I, I would think Morikawa would have a very good chance to win there with his iron play. Uh, I think Cam Smith is probably a bit deflated really to do much this week. So I don't know. We'll see. That'll be a good one. Um, the Mexico tournament is not going to be at uh, Chapel Tech. I believe the course was called uh, where they had the WGC. It's somewhere else. I don't know where. Uh, I know I know it's only come together in like the last four or five months, a definite plan on that. So that'll be new. Um, 
I guess we'll, I'll, I'll briefly touch on the major venue. So Southern Hills, as I talked about, Tiger Woods had won there at a PGA Championship in 2007, but since then they did a major uh, major change to the course. They brought it back to sort of what it was like in the 1930s, except they uh, did it with you know the length for the modern game. So it'll look a lot different. Um, there's a guy, uh, it's called the fried egg. His name is uh, Andy Johnson, I believe. And you know, he does a lot of stuff on golf course architecture and these really uh, incredibly high quality drone videos, of course. So he has a short one out on Southern Hills. I think he'll have a much longer one as we get closer. But if you want an idea of Southern Hills, I would say just look up Southern Hills, the fried egg on YouTube and you'll get a, like a five minute video on it. And you will pick up on similarities between Southern Hills and Augusta because Perry Maxwell originally did Southern Hills. And after Alistair McKenzie died, uh, like, frankly, I, I think he died before they actually opened Augusta National. Perry Maxwell came in in the couple of years after and made a lot of changes uh, to Augusta. So almost what you see from Augusta now is sort of originates from his work. So you'll pick up on the similarities. Uh, U.S. Opens at the Country Club. A another thing, um, la we last saw it in 1999. The course is completely different now. Another one of those, they call them restivations. So uh, that, that's going to be a big unknown. And then we have the uh, Open at St. Andrews, which that'll be interesting because I remember uh, like 10 years ago, I know John and I were both on the same page that, that this course really can't stick up to the modern game. But then they did something that was sort of sacrilege and they, they went outside the, the, the present property to lengthen it. So I think it's like 7,300 yards now, but... I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Cause you know, players have gotten even longer. The ball's gotten more advanced since 2015 and held up okay in 2015, but it required like a lot of wind to do so. So uh, who knows that, you know, the, the ending stretch of St. Andrews is good, but there, there are some holes there that I, I almost do wonder. It's like, how is this really going to hold up to the um, modern game? So we'll see. And I guess uh, to quickly make an all about me scenario, uh, one of my good buddies lives right outside of Rochester in Fairport, and we actually did uh, solidify plans to go to the PGA Championship next year in 2023 at Oak Hill. So, um, now God willing, I will be able to give you a live report from Oak Hill uh, on the podcast in, oh God, what would it be, 14 months from now. So wow. that should be exciting. I love it, though. Well, I hope you can make it, uh, Mike. That's awesome. So uh, back to John. Let's let's get your thoughts on the road ahead of, like we mentioned, a number of pretty good tournaments in the future. Yeah, great tournament this week. Uh, already been doing my research and gonna be firing some bets and whatnot uh, tomorrow. Um, but yeah, uh, really good field uh, at the top. So we'll, we'll see who comes out on top uh, at uh, Hilton Head this weekend. Um, next week is that interesting team event, and you know when they first announced it a few years ago. Like, I was like, man, this really sucks. But the, the players have kind of embraced it. I already saw that um, the team, it's going to be Colin Morikawa and Victor Hovland. Like, just give those guys the trophy right now. Like, how are you going to beat that duo? Um, and then I also saw the other team is going to be Scheffler and Ryan Palmer. So, like, if you're in a one-and-done pool, like, just pick Ryan Palmer, I guess, because you're never going to use him the rest of the year. And, like, you can't take – like, that, that's just how my pool worked anyway. But it's just funny how, like – uh, uh, Palmer won that tournament with Rom, and now he gets to play with Scheffler. And I think he played with Spieth one time. Like, 
the dude is like I, I don't know like he must be just a real just easygoing guy to play with i mean he seems like that but just funny like he just gets a, he's kind of just like the your quintessential like mid-level average tour player he gets to play like with the best players in the world but i don't know that tournament's gotten kind of interesting I, i've kind of grown into uh following that last year it was really exciting with um Ustes and put it in the water on 18 and allowed uh cam smith and leishman to win so i'm assuming they're going to come back as a team um so yeah that, that's definitely an interesting tournament I, i'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that one yeah the mexico open is is like they demoted it from wgc status so now it has this spot in may but i guess it's still kind of an invitational because i looked it up and it's only gonna be like 130 players so you're assuming that should be a pretty good field uh, and then the AT&T Byron Nelson is just going to be awful. So if you want to take a week off from golf, do it that week because the, the field's going to be terrible. Like last year, the, there was nobody at the tournament in terms of good players, and the winning score was like 26 under. Like it, it's not even worth your time, honestly. I mean, us the degenerates are going to be interested. But if you want to take off a week from golf, um, that's that's the one to do it. But I would say to watch the next three weeks until, um, you know, before the next major at Southern Hills. And, yeah, St. Andrews – I don't know. Like, I'd have to see like where they lengthened it, but like a lot of those holes are drivable. Like they're like 300 yard par fours on like, especially on on the front nine, if I remember. Um, so I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I just don't. If there's no wind, like they're gonna just destroy that course. So we'll see what happens. I, I you love to see the elements at the Open Championship. So when it's like 65 and sunny and there's no wind, like you don't want to see that at the Open. So. We'll see what happens with that, but yeah, I'm I'm pretty pumped for these next three tournaments, and then, you know, we'll 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 do what we will with the the tournament at in Texas before the PGA. All right, sounds good, John. Let's go over to Andy and get your thoughts on the road ahead. Yeah, St. Andrews is almost it's 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 almost too antiquated for these players now, uh, but we'll see. I know it's like it's where the golf was born, you know, it's the placenta of golf, whatever you want to call it, but. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but so the country club in Brookline, it's uh, it's going to be a composite. I don't know the actual routing because uh, it's 27 holes. I don't even know if like the new nine was there in 1997. Um, I just know Brady lived out there when he was on the Patriots. He lived on the new nine. Um, so it's going to be a composite. I don't. I you know I don't know if it's like 14 on the old 18 four on the new I, I don't know I don't I, I don't do research on that stuff but I do know they're gonna be like there's gonna be a really short par three uh, it's like the 12th hole on the original 18 uh, and it's gonna be a short par three so like the golf purists will like that because golf purists like hate long par threes and this one it's like surrounded by four bunkers. And uh, I don't know, we'll, we'll obviously be into the U.S. Open. Um, and the work, we love the we love this event in Hilton Head, we, you know, the lighthouse, um, it's the sea. I, I'm going to take Harold Varner um, in the one and done. He came in second last year. Kucher uh, always nibbles and does well in that event. Um, but it's a great field. Um, it's a, You get a plaid jacket for winning you don't get a green jacket um Ooh. yeah it's a true story and <laughs> uh it's you know i think the players are well taken care of like because you know it's literally on the ocean I'm, I'm guessing the lodging right on the beach um it'll be a much more relaxed event for all these guys that just 
handled the stress of Augusta. And um, uh, yeah, um, the team event, we'll see. Uh, I'm guessing that'll be Andrew Catalan instead of, instead of Jim Nance. I, I like Catalan. Um, he's a good understudy. He's good at the other stuff too, basketball, NFL, and uh, college hoops. Um, but I'm guessing Nance will take a breath after Heritage this week. And then um, I'm sure we're getting ahead of ourselves. But so after the U.S. Open, like in Brookline, that's just a stone throw away from the Travelers. And that Travelers field is already like a good field because that's another event where the players get really taken care of by the sponsors and stuff. And I'm, I'm guessing that Travelers field is going to be loaded just because of the short distance between Massachusetts and uh in connecticut and then there, what else was they gonna say something about the events uh you guys talked about texas mexico travelers the scottish open this year is part of the pga tour which is going to be interesting week before yeah. the open that would be yeah and at this point let's put put a fork in the john deere then like like yeah, so that's after the travelers this year this whole schedule is like readjusted so it's like travelers then john deere and then the scottish open leading into the british open or open championship um and then actually so the two like off uh like you know opposite events the one in kentucky and then the one in reno um i think one of them is like a european tour event as well like co-sanctioned like that was a deal that they struck which was interesting and then after the open i call it the shit season because it's like the two turn it's the, the the one in detroit minnesota and then the Wyndham, like all back to back after the open so it's like all right you want to get your vacations and do it that week before the FedEx <laughs> cup basically yeah that's true because yeah that's right because now the european tour and the pga they have that that alliance now so now it's like you can have european events in the states and you have like the coast the pga event in europe and then i mean it's all to kind of to look to battle themselves against like the the Saudi stuff and uh but yeah great point like I never that like Bryson will watch Bryson win like the those Shern Midwest events like the Rocket Mortgage or in the, in the 3M and then Wyndham like Nance will probably do Wyndham because that's like the last chance for those guys to get inside the 125 number to compete for you know the, the FedEx tournaments and yeah it's like it'll be wild like John, I'm sure you're going to Travelers, right? Yeah, so so I started a new job recently, so I'm like on a six-month like kind of probationary thing, so I really can't take any PTO like for the first two days, but I'm definitely going to try to go on the weekend. So, oh, yeah, the field is going to be great, even better, like you said, even better than usual. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely will be in the mix at, at some point for that this year. That's great. Yeah, we're getting into the real meat and potatoes of the golf season, I Finally, you know, sports calendar is actually getting back to normal. So I think at this point now, it's just the hockey, is the season runs late because of like the COVID outbreaks and the Olympics. But, uh, you know, baseball here, it's cold as hell in Seattle tonight. But we're getting, we're getting back to normal sports. It's nice. <laughs> Do you have your heater on tonight, Andy, out of curiosity? What's that? Do you have your heater on? Actually, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be thirty five degrees at night. Oh tonight. no, so, shit! I, I that's yeah. I did. I mean, you're this is like real. That's like cold, cold. Okay, I thought you were like, oh, it's fifty degrees. It's cold. <laughs> that's, oh. that's pretty cold. Okay, 
Right on. All right, so let's swing it around for final thought. Oh, by the way, do you have anything on the NBA tonight? Uh, this one run. Yeah, um, I took the took the Cavs plus nine mm-hmm. and a half, and I have the Clippers plus three. But I baseball's been bad, and mm-hmm. the, I took the Rangers. Sorry, JB, and uh, took the Bruins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bad bad night of NHL and baseball. So. Okay, all right. Well, we'll see if the NBA can be can be better for you, at least with the Clippers. Uh, let's go to final thoughts, and we'll start with Mike. Uh, so not much to just wrap up what we've talked about, but uh, I guess one thing that we uh, did not discuss, because when you had the, uh, the special uh, – to have us on to discuss the Saudi league. We all thought it was done. Well, apparently it's not done. Okay. They're, they're, they're steaming right ahead with this. Uh, this might be like the Titanic steaming straight ahead at the iceberg, but we'll see. Um, no, they, they announced like a handful of tournaments. The first one's going to be the week before the U S open in, uh, somewhere outside of London. Look, who's actually going to show up? Are they going to secure media rights to this? I, who knows? Like, yeah, I, I don't know if this is actually going to happen yet. That said, what Norman said, Greg Norman said as the strategy does not seem like the craziest idea in the world. They, he said he almost expects that there not to be many big, well, now he is claiming I have some big names, but he says, look, if the winner's getting $4 million and the field's crap, what's going to happen is when the players start seeing four and five million dollars first place, they're going to say, well, I could beat this field without a problem and I'll show up. That's not the craziest idea I've ever heard of. But then that being said, if the PGA Tour can then ban you for life or ban you for a significant amount of time, even if you can get that overturned through litigation, that's going to take years to do. So is it really worth it? But I don't know. That's that's something to keep an eye on. Um, so, yeah, uh, June 9th, um, somewhere outside of London, television, streaming, to be determined. So we'll see if that actually happens. But apparently it is not dead. And I guess uh, just to double back on a um, related point, Fred Ridley claimed that Phil Mickelson was invited to come and decided not to. I don't believe that for a second. You know, I, I hope no one from the Masters watches the uh, recording of this because I've criticized the course and now <laughs> I'm claiming the chairman is being untruthful. So I, I'm probably going to be on the blacklist now and never get tickets. But no, I, I think they're doing great things. Don't ban me. Um, but that being said, no, I, I, I understand it. He probably said, listen, I'm not going to drag you through the mud and tell you, tell the media that I told you not to come. Just don't come. And I'll say that I invited you and you didn't want to come. And we'll just, we'll keep it quiet. That's what I think happened. But apparently Phil's going to play in the U S open. He, uh, it came out today that he did submit his entry. So it looks like, uh, that's his comeback date. All right. Well, I think that's fair. It's the USGA event. So he, he would be eligible in that context. I think that, to be fair to the Masters, the Masters Commission, whatever you want to call them, um, that was probably the best they could do with that. Like, you can't just say that you banned them because then you're going to get way too much negative publicity over that. So they had to be as discreet as they could over that scenario. So I, I can't actually fault them precisely for what they did. So, uh, John, your thoughts on, and I mean, I'm sorry, let me give it to you for final thoughts. And if you want to add on to the scenario with the Saudi League and Phil, feel free. 
The only two things, I mean, Phil's he's the defending champion at the PGA. I mean, you would think he'd want to show up for that and and next month before the U.S. Open. So I guess we'll see if he if he shows up there. I guess you know that could be the next thing. And also, ESPN had a thirty for thirty that they were promoting forever about Norman and Faldo, and that like completely just went like I haven't heard anything about it. And you know, you you think they would release it around now? So I wonder if Norman. Uh, kind of put the kibosh on that. I don't know. Um, or they didn't want to do it because of his involvement with the Saudi league. Who knows? At this point, I don't know who's going to show up for that. I mean, it could be like Jason Kokrak and Kevin Nahn, like then a bunch of just like 30 no names. I mean, who knows at this point who's going to show up? We'll see. To be determined, as Mike said. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was, um, you know, always good to uh, talk some golf with you guys. And the Masters, I think Andy put it best, like, you know, we're not, we're not uh, entitled to like an amazing tournament every year. I mean, it's just that's sports. Sometimes you get a blowout, sometimes you get an unbelievable finish and, you know, you're, we're going to watch it regardless. So, um, you know, that was a great performance by Scheffler and we look forward to the next events on the, on the golf calendar. Great thoughts, John. And now to Andy for your final thoughts. We'll wrap it up tonight. Yeah. I'm great. Great. Thanks for inviting me on. And I always love hearing what John and Mike have to say about like the actual like nuances of like the golf. Cause I, I just, I gamble my rear end off. I just, I, I watch and I, I, I react, I yell and throw stuff, but it, it's great. Um, I, Hideki Matsuyama's dinner was amazing just by, you know, by the descriptors. And I, pre- I mean, how much of a douchebag can you be to have grilled chicken and mac and cheese? Talking to you, Bubba Watson, when you have all these other guys like all out with like, and I'm not, I mean, grilled chicken, I'm, I don't not like grilled chicken, but come on now, like spice it up a little bit. And I, I presume Scotty Scheffler next year will have, you know, steak, you know, some sort of barbecue, like brisket. I love reading about what these guys want to serve on their, on their massive dinner. I love it. Like, I, like, I know if it makes me a Mongo, so be it. Like I like hearing about the master's dinner. Well, Andy, Hey, last thing I'll say, uh, next year's U S open is, uh, is in your neck of the woods, the LA country club. Um, yeah. I think it's wicked hoity toity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've only played it on the, PGA 2K21 video game that I know Mike has, um, and you, I, I still, I, if you can't wear shorts there. It's pretty, pretty buttoned up. Yeah, I heard but, about uh, that. Yeah, I think it's a very historical place. Mm-hmm. They must have done uh, like a restoration project, and I'm looking forward to it. I, I mean, I'm a little by. I like those West Coast uh, majors for the primetime coverage good stuff it is and what's interesting is that you don't you don't even know it exists if you don't if you don't if someone don't, no one points it out because you when you drive around the fences are right there and you just drive through it and it's like it's just nothing you don't even know that that's what that is so it's, it's there's definitely a lot of like uh mystique to it just from that like you don't really know where it is or what it looks like until you see it on tv so uh it's an interesting spot for sure i'm looking forward to that too andy I'm, i don't know 
I'll see what I can do to get tickets to it and what have you. So it should be really good. I am sorry, and I really let you guys down. Talking about credibility, I didn't get to make it to Riviera this year. I'm kind of bummed about that, but it just didn't work out. But uh, you know, maybe Jacko next time. Neiman. Right, Neiman. It's a great, it's a great performance. That was kind of one of the guys I was looking at too over the weekend too, and it wasn't as great as I'd hoped. But it is what it is. So, folks, thank you so much, guys. I, I appreciate your time again. And uh, looking forward to talking more golf with you later on. And um, all the best for the rest of the week. And good luck to your bets the rest of the way as well. And, and John, your one-and-done scenario, hopefully that, or Andy, both of you, one, one, your one-and-done scenarios go well as well. Um, that's about it. So take care, everybody. And thanks again. I really appreciate your time. All right, guys. See you. Take care, guys. Take it easy, everybody. All right. So that's, our, that's, that's Mike, John, and Andy. Good times tonight. It was really fun. So we'll wrap it up for the evening. We're back with more football coverage next week, and we're going to be leading up to the draft. Two weeks of draft coverage. We'll get into a very bizarre scenario, assuming that this is still a topic in the news cycle by then. But there's been some things going on about Tom Brady faking his retirement so he could be on the Dolphins or something, and it's being executive on the Dolphins, and it's kind of a mess. You'll see. You'll maybe we'll get into that next week. But for now, we say good night. Have a great rest of your week. I'm Dave Medina. I hope you enjoyed this program. If you missed any part of it, you can check catch the replay here on YouTube if, on our simulcast, or um, you can catch the podcast at ditcow.com. Look for us on socials at uh, at Dave in the City Out West on your podcast player of choice. Thank you very much for, for your continued support of this program. And uh, any other episodes you want to check out, go back to our feed, same site, deckcow.com, or here on this YouTube page if you're watching on video. So with that, I say have a great rest of your week, and we'll see you next time.